makers, crafters, and builders, my name is Nathan Wheeler, and this is the Irish Makers Podcast. This episode, we're going to be discussing the world of conventions and cosplay, from humble costumes and simple sewing to seven-foot behemoth dragons. Cosplay is an art style that's taken the world by storm, branching out from small conventions into the modern zeitgeist. Originally coined in 1984, the word cosplay is a portmanteau of the word costume and play. In modern world, any convention is incomplete without a host of costume people. Today, we want to talk about the world of cosplay and what it means to three Irish cosplayers. We'll be joined by Mary Therese, Meg Hilko, and Emer O'Connor, all brilliant cosplayers in their own right. I have seen them at conventions, and they are some of the best costumes you're going to see in Ireland. We want to have a discussion on how they got into cosplay and a round table on some of the issues that are affecting the cosplay community, especially here in Ireland. Personally, I love cosplay. Costumes can be an incredible ability to make and learn and really develop on skills. You can learn something as simple as fabric work that can become way more complicated or start with foam smithing or start with 3D printing. And it's one of those things that just constantly builds and grows. Let's jump straight into talking to our first guest, Marie Therese. Marie Therese, aka Empty Cosplay, started cosplaying in 2018, which it, it blows my mind. Her first cosplay was Maya EV, Shadow Song from World of Warcraft, which won the Best Craftsmanship Award uh, at Dublin Comic Con. She's straight out of the gate. She won the first thing. I, I was blown away by this. She then won numerous awards for her cosplay, taking a couple of awards from me, which I'll never forgive her for, and has been asked to guest and judge at conventions throughout Ireland. As a foam smith and an avid gamer, she enjoys making cosplays of armored characters from all sorts of games. She believes that the more you create, the more you will learn, and making mistakes is definitely part of the learning process. So Marie Therese, Empty Cosplay, tell me how this all started, and tell me why you love cosplay. Um, it's madness, isn't it? But uh, how far I've come. It's it's really weird when you kind of say it like that to see how far I've come from since 2018 to 2020 because we haven't really had a cosplay scene since then. Um, my initial thing to get me into cosplay, believe it or not, is was is one of our other guests is Emer. She was one of the first people when I went to GamerCon, um, that con, um, which took three and a half four hours to actually get in. I seen her in her Cinder outfit. I believe she won on um on the day and it was through that and then seeing other cosplayers and stuff too and I was like do you know what next convention I'm going to start doing something and I did <laughs> so I decided around Christmas or so in 2017 that I wanted to get into cosplay like properly um and needless to say I didn't just jump in with a little thing I jumped in with a big thing um and made and started the whole thing of foam smithing um, looking into it, where to get supplies and everything as well. And then trying to decide what character I actually wanted to do. And I was a big fan of World of Warcraft. I've played it for many, many years. I don't play it at the moment. But um, decided then to make my Ev. Uh, she's the NPC, an NPC from uh, World of Warcraft with the big owl ears and big shoulders and everything else. So, yeah. How do you even get started with that? Like. When I look at that costume, I can see there's, there's a huge amount of foam work there. But like, mm. you're probably starting from something as simple as yoga mats. And people are like, 
how do you go from a yoga mat to that kind of costume? Well, that was it. It was trying to sort things out, so trying to find supplies. So I actually use like the um, the like the fitness, the, the foam mats, the 10 mil foam mats that aren't the easiest thing to use, especially like now I use five mil and, and stuff like that. So it's a lot easier to work with when, when you're starting with that kind of thing. It was so weird. And I seen patterns for things online, but obviously she she's not, hasn't really been made. So I was contacting other cosplayers, um, you know, that I found online that had, had made her and I was like you know can you help me out where, where do you start <laughs> and they were like yeah we, we kind of just did the same thing we don't really have any patterns you just kind of go for it so like that it was sourcing sourcing the foam as I said I got some mats I actually I think I got them in Halfords and they're the ones where the, the yeah. clear foam on top and then they had the pattern underneath um, and then trying to work with them and heating them up but um, yeah they're a it, nightmare to work with they, they are like as i said the 10 mil it's just once it's a bit thicker they are a nightmare to work with trying to heat them get them to keep shape and because they aren't um you know they're not a fantastic quality compared to some other phones that you can get that densities they don't hold their shape so the likes of her shoulders and her ears is like a metal bar running through them in order to keep their shape um and that whole thing attaches together now i know that you can detach things from your shoulders and they don't all have to be one piece in a huge case <laughs> <laughs> the things we learned so the same with the with the helmet it's all one piece it is huge um so like one of the big black storage boxes it's it's like the whole the whole length of it so um for things like that uh, you, you learn things over time and tell me what's kept you in the hobby obviously you started in 2018 you're we're in 2020 now we've lost two years essentially to covid so what's kept you even after covid i can see you're working on a sister's a battle sister of battle Warhammer 40k for W yeah. Comic Con. What what's pushed you to stay within the hobby? Um, I think from just I want to make costumes. I mean, my, my next one is another gaming related one. I wanted to make it for TCC. I haven't got the time at the moment with stuff going on because I I decide usually two to three weeks before a convention that I want to make something, and that's how the sister started she was nearly done she was nearly done for a Dublin comic-con in 2020 and um, with only a few things left to be made and um it's, i think it's, it's just wanting to make the costumes i mean other people do it because they have to for businesses or they want you know stuff for online and stuff like that i'm not one for that if i have something to post i'll post it um but I just, because I want to make the costumes, my, my next one will hopefully be for, uh, Master Chief from Halo. I've wanted to make that for many, many years, but it's I don't want build. to. It is a big build. And I have like my, my little reference here. <laughs> um, that, that's what we're going up. We're, we're just like, I've got a little costume, make a big costume. Yeah. Um, I haven't actually played the game yet. And I think because I know if and when I play the game, I'll be, and like I am at other games, I now want to make this and I want to make this and I want it to be a certain way and I'll start even designing things with 3D and everything as well. But I, yeah, I think I just, I want to make the costumes. I've, out of all eight that I've made so far, I think there have been one or two that I haven't really been happy with. Um, yeah. Like Astrid from How to Train Your Dragon, when I made her, I didn't finish it off. But I really like the helmet that I made first, so I've kept that part. The rest is in the attic. Um, and the same with one from Mortal Kombat as well. I had made that, but the fact that it was a fabric cosplay for most of it, and I just, oh no, me and my sewing machine don't get on too well. So I, I totally get that. Listen, we're going to move on to our next uh, cosplayer who specializes in fabric work. And we'll put, I think, everyone else to shame, me included. 
So Meg Hilko uh, from Without a Stitch Cosplay, she began officially cosplaying in 2014, originally from the States. She feels like she's cosplayed her whole life before she even knew what cosplay was. She started making her own Halloween costumes when she was just eight years of age, which is a very young age to start making costume. In 2001, she completed a Bachelor's of Arts in Theatre and Costume Design. She's probably the most qualified out of all of us to talk about this subject. And then she moved to Ireland and continued to pursue her career and her passion, which often focuses on sewing and fine art. She's judged cosplay competitions all over Ireland, and is one of the main judges in Dublin Comic Con, and that's why I'm going to suck up to her now today and have her on the show. Um, I'm just, I'm just, I'm, I'm getting right in there. I'm like, yeah. Just... <laughs> so, Meg, how are you today? I'm all right. I'm actually uh, in the middle of a big build myself, so I am stepping out of my comfort zone and doing some foam work. Um, so, yes, I have a, I have a, I am also doing a Battle Sister. Along with the uh, empty cosplay, so yeah, it's 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 a new skill. It's great. Um, it's it's very different. It is both um, faster and slower at the same time. So it's um it's really interesting for me because I've been very much focused on fabric, focused on uh, sewing, uh, costumes that would have been involved with that kind of work. And so this is a this is a nice um nice oh, wow. change of pace for me. So yeah. That's incredible. Like, like, how do you get started in this fabric work? Because this is this is next level detail. I think an awful lot of young people, when they start off and they look at costumes, they look at the fabric work, and we're so conditioned to think, oh, if I want clothes, I go to pennies or I go to a local store. We're not conditioned to think that, oh, I could make that myself. I could pattern it and I could create it. Uh, like, like, how, how do you even begin to get into something like that? You know, I, like I said, I. I started making Halloween costumes at a very young age, and that included making the clothes as well for it. Um, you know, I, I very specifically remember the little tiny Pocahontas outfit that I made for myself, and I made Jasmine, and I made a whole bunch of others. I was blessed with a very crafty mother. Uh, she does quilting. She does make clothes when she wants to. She does a variety of embroidery. Um, and so a lot of her passions are for that kind of flowed into me um she she taught me a lot of a lot of what i know in terms of how to sew and all all of that and then that was just such a passion for me i loved costumes from the beginning that i then went to college for it um the the theater to to get into the costumes the history to get into the costumes and then yeah <laughs> oh, it happens and obviously you get your degree in arts and theater costume and did, did you feel a need to try and go on and do that professionally or did you do? I did. A, a, a I did. Career, and I did work in, I, I did work in a few costume shops um, at, at least earlier in, in my career. I'm no longer working in it because it occurred to me that this is really a passion for me and I don't want that to be dulled by work. And anytime that I have something that I'm really, that, that I have to do it as a job, I tend to find that it will slowly kill my will to love that thing. So, you know, I used to do commissions. I don't anymore because I found that the commissions drove me crazy. Um, I didn't feel like I was enjoying what I was doing anymore. So I do it now because that's what I love and work stays in its box. <laughs> so. I, I, I completely get that. Like, especially when you're talking about the commission side of things. I know myself, people have asked me to do a couple of commissions, a couple of small mm -hmm. things. And generally I say no. And every so often there's one I kind of go, listen, okay, I'll do it as a friend. 
but it's not an act of creation in a way it, it's formulaic it's they want x and i have to give them x Whereas yeah and sometimes it's not a labor of love things. then for me um exactly. you know it's 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 no longer the labor of love that i want it to be if i'm if yeah I, I don't have as much time as I would like to craft. And so when I do, I want to make sure that it's something that I'm passionate about and really enjoy doing. Um, and, you know, it, even if even if it's just sewing something for someone else, if I'm not passionate about it, I tend to procrastinate and um, make make my own life harder than it needs to be because I don't enjoy what I'm doing. So, yeah. Listen, I completely understand that. Two years ago, just had a story before we move on. Uh, two years ago, just before the pandemic hit, uh, myself and Meg were getting ready for Comic-Con <laughs> and we were sorting out our costumes. And I came in about two, three weeks before and I yeah. came into the workshop and I was like, Meg, I don't know how to sew at all. <laughs> uh, and I need to make an entire tech priest, uh, you know, today. <laughs> Meg's like, yeah. get a sewing machine. And we got yeah. a sewing machine and we cracked it out in three days. And then we, we did, did a couple good. of test fits. We did which, good. Which, by the way, it looked like the most hilarious thing. If anyone had walked in there on like attaching harnesses and everything else, <laughs> that people would have thought it was the most in in crazy thing ever. Let's be fair. Getting into any costume. elaborate costume is not the most graceful thing. <laughs> it Absolutely. doesn't matter how simple it is. If it is something that has many layers, getting into it is not exactly the part where the magic happens. <laughs> Perfect. Listen, thank you so much, Meg. We'll talk to you in a few minutes in the round table. And for our next guest, I want to talk to Emer O'Connor, a.k.a. Obsidian Dragon Cosplay. So Emer started cosplaying in 2015 and enjoys combining her passion for engineering with costume creation process. Her first cosplay was Shell from Portal 2, but she soon became better known for her massive dragon costumes. You can't fathom how big these are until you've actually seen them, doing Cinder from The Legend of Spyro. Since then, she's added UniPie uh, from Avatar, and the Verizon, oh no, I'm saying that, I'm butchering that, the dragon from Game of Thrones to her collection. How are you doing, Emer? Good, how are you, Nathan? How's things? Oh, it's good. Thank you so much for coming on. If you, <laughs> Listeners, Emer is coming to us from Barcelona. I had to, like, prior uh, into coming on to the podcast, I was like, please, please, please. And she's like, I'm going out doing cyberpunk skating in Barcelona. And I was like, well, thank you for telling me something I'm very jealous of. Will you please come on my podcast? And thankfully you came on. Absolutely, no, I'm delighted to have uh, to be here, guys. Honestly, it's it's great. <laughs> Beauty so of me, uh, remote working. <laughs> tell me how you make enormous dragon costumes. Yeah, I mean, I suppose it's uh, a lot of PVC plumbing. Uh, surprisingly, you know, you wouldn't you wouldn't think by looking at it that that's the the main component, but it's just kind of slapping a load of PVC, uh, EVA foam, and a lot of glue and hopes and dreams uh, and generally blood, sweat and tears. And then you have a dragon. <laughs> there's no uh, there's no real magic formula for it, I suppose. It's kind of, um, they're unique in a way that generally a lot of people don't tend to do quad suits, just given the fact they're quite difficult to do. Uh, and as Meg rightly pointed out, trying to get in and out of them, uh, it's not graceful at all. Like for Cinder in particular, like you enter in and out of her chest. So it just looks like the xenomorph is just kind of like, coming out of the dragon whenever I'm getting out of it. So uh, I frightened more than a few kids, I think, doing that before. So That's incredible. Like, like I'm looking at the pictures here. And listeners, if you can't see this, it, it's an enormous dragon. You can probably see links down below in the description. It's it's huge. Um, like, how long did it take you to put some of these dragons together? Like, and why dragons in particular? 
Oh, I've been obsessed with dragons since like I've been a kid. Like I, I don't know, I don't even know how to explain it. I just absolute fascination with them. Uh, and then eventually, when I kind of figured, I when I was younger, I was like, oh, you know, I like making costumes and I like putting stuff together. And back in the the good old days of YouTube, you know, when there was just like very few tutorials out there, like the kind of ambiguous build videos of like, here's a build log. I'm not going to tell you how I did it, but just watch the, all this sped up footage. I used to love those. So kind of piecing all those different bits and pieces together and then eventually coming up with the dragons. That was really interesting for me. Um, so, yeah, now nah, it's they're interesting in the sense that like they are much taller than you realize because considering like I'm bent over in them I keep forgetting how tall the heads of them are sometimes so like for Cinder I think it was maybe two months of a build uh, which is too short don't do that and I repeated the same mistake with Viserion and tried to make him in two months and yeah he he made it kind of kind of <laughs> kids must be enthralled by that when you go to a convention like you must have a bunch of people just kind of asking you like first how do you get into it secondly are you like bent over double? Yeah, it's funny. On your back. Yeah, oh no, my back is in bits afterwards, but it's it's worth it. It's worth it, you know. <laughs> but the the funny thing is, is that a lot of people will talk to the head of the dragon, despite my my head actually being at where the collar piece is on Cinder there. Um, so like my my head is at the chest height of the dragon, but everyone always starts talking to the head of it because they don't realize where I am in the costume. Um, and a lot of people actually mistake it for a statue sometimes if I'm not mo actively moving. I've had multiple kids kind of come over and like stand for a picture and then I move and then I just hear screams and just kids <laughs> run here. life out of them. <laughs> accidentally, purely accidentally. I don't do it on purpose, but uh, yeah. So, some of them receive it well, some of them don't receive it well. Was that a, I think it was a couple of years ago I was chatting to a guy dressed up as Judge Dredd mm -hmm. and we were just talking about costume making and he turns to me very seriously in the, in the Dredd uh, helmet and he looks me dead in the eyes and he goes the key to a good costume and the way you know it's really good is how much of a whimper you can get out of a child when you walk by and I was like whoa <laughs> and he, he I mean, was like not wrong. it's going to be a good whimper or a bad whimper but if they cry you've basically yeah, done yeah. the best costume imaginable oh, I know. Like, yeah there's, there's been a few tears from kids I've, I've some great photos where it's actually the kids come up and interact and it's honestly that's that's part of why I really enjoy doing it is that like you get such genuine reactions from the kids and they just love seeing all of it because obviously to them it's all real you know so it's I mean it is real what, what, what are you talking about but um but you know what I mean is that like they they really enjoy seeing all this and I suppose like if adults are struggling to kind of comprehend that there's a person in there like they're not going to understand that there could be someone wearing that you know so it's just kind of bringing stuff to life for them is is really part of why I do it as well it's really nice to get those reactions Perfect. Listen, thank you so much, Emer. Uh, we're just going to jump straight into our round table. I've got a couple of questions for these cosplayers to see kind of what the industry is like, what the hobby is like, and kind of how they interact is as cosplayers within the community. So, guys, thank you so much all for coming on the podcast. It's great to have you all. Great to be here. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah. Perfect. So I guess I want to start off with a very, very simple question. Uh, what's the cosplay scene like for newcomers? Now, very few of us are newcomers. We've been cosplaying for a few years. But if you can imagine that there's an awful lot of people who haven't cosplayed throughout the pandemic and they're only really getting started to it, how do you think it's going to be like for them? Um, I think the, the interesting thing was that I think some people are kind of apprehensive uh, about getting into like cosplay in particular. I suppose attending the convention is like one thing. But particularly with, with a costume, like, you know, you are going to stand out, um, which, like, you know, the intention isn't to, like, go and, like, make a big scene or whatever, because you want to do it because you enjoy doing it. 
Um, but I think some people do get quite worried that like, you know, I'm going to draw attention and people might make fun of me or whatever. It's like, it's, it's completely not that. Like I, I was in an all girls school for years and every time we do like a Halloween thing, I'd obviously be doing like, you know, video game characters or whatever. And no one would ever recognize what they were. But the very first Comic-Con I went to as Chell, immediately, immediately saw people um, recognizing it. And that, that made such a difference for me. The people actually recognized like what the costume was. So I was like, these are my people. I like this. <laughs> yeah, having, having someone recognize your obscure cosplay is one of the best feelings in the world. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I have done quite a few of those. But it, I think always- that for, for newcomers, it's, um, I hope that it's pretty okay, you know, like I think I think DCC, the upcoming Dublin Comic Con is going to be very interesting because we haven't had a con for so long, and so for a lot of people, we haven't seen each other, we haven't seen our cosplay friends for a long time. So it's potentially going to be a little bit more clicky than a normal con would, where we you know have actually seen each other <laughs> in more than two years, kind of thing. So, but but generally speaking, I think that most people are very welcoming to anybody who shows up in cosplay, whether you're new or old, um, at least those of us who are already in the cosplay community right now in Ireland, we tend to um, embrace people and say hi or, you know, whatever yeah. it is. Yeah, I'd also say that for anyone new coming, I think out of all of us here, I'm I'm most recent to it, I'm myself and Nathan. Um, but reach out to people online. I mean, everyone's on social media these days and like what I did for mine, obviously I, I j- jumped in the deep end with phone smithing, but I contacted a few cosplayers in relation to where to get stuff. And, you know, and even I remember contacting someone about, okay, so I have this big cosplay and I have a big suitcase. What do I do with it at the con? Because there was nothing really online about it. And they'll let you know there usually is some storage and for a few euro, you can you can put your bag there and I was like okay so little things like that um and there are so many people on the con floor and everything as well that just just reached out to them and asked them the worst thing they can say is no or I mean the amount of people of do you do such and such or even for commissions no but I do know someone who may be able to help you or I do know and you just kind of pass them on and hope that they will then put them in the right direction as well so factoring in that yes all of us have kind of done a bit of cosplay now for the last few years do you think there's a degree of elitism within the cosplay community because there's definitely i think everyone would agree there's definitely a tiered level of cosplays there goes to like you know and i'm not saying this is a based on like these are good and these are bad but there are a different level of tiers and skills that people will become accessible into some people make seven foot tall dragons some people make uh, very very simple anime um, and do you think there is a different level depending on different age group and skills that leads to a degree of elitism and kind of putting down other people that they mightn't have the skills to perfectly replicate Master Chief or they mightn't have the perfect shade on a certain thing because there's definitely some people who really look for that. Uh, we always call them rivet counters in model making. Um, do you think there is a degree of that within the community or have you faced it? I, I think that that's a natural... I think that's natural within any community that involves competition. Mm-hmm. Um, cosplay continu- continuously has competitions for for cosplayers, um, and because of that, there will always be a degree of competition amongst the cosplayers. There are some individuals who, unfortunately, that's how they approach it, regardless whether whether it is good, whether it is bad, whether it's appropriate or not. There are some people for whom they will count the rivets. It is just how they are. Um, I 
personally, when I entered into the cosplay community, I knew that my skill level was high enough that I would be able to see the errors. And I made a conscious effort to not be a rivet counter in general. If someone asks me for constructive feedback, I will give it to them. If they ask me for advice, I will give it to them. But I don't want people to feel that they are, um, you know, not welcome because because they're beginning their journey. Um, so that's cer certainly something that I personally have always tried to avoid. Um, I, I don't think that it's necessarily endemic in the cosplay community itself. I think there are individuals for whom that is the way it is, but I wouldn't say that the Irish cosplay scene is necessarily that way. I'm not sure that it's the same online or elsewhere, but. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. I completely agree. When you see, like, I obviously I can't speak for anywhere else in the world, but when you see the likes of competitions and stuff, shall we say, Euro cosplay or within America and any of that, they they do seem to. Is is it lined? Is it everything? And I suppose that it can be the way here as well in relation to professional competitions, but we don't necessarily have many of that because the cos Ireland is only small. We haven't a huge cosplay scene. We haven't got huge conventions. I suppose Dublin Comic Con being one of the, you know, the better known ones. Um, but like that for this one, yes, I know there's a cosplay competition with the one coming up, but the professional one isn't until August, as far as I'm aware. But yet there are people who are like, well, did you buy that? Did you make that? Did you, you know, how much did you make of that? And I get it, but I, if you want to cosplay and you want to enjoy cosplaying, just cosplay. Do whatever character you want to do, whether you buy it, whether you get commissioned or anything like that. I know for people um, that have asked me to do commissions, I, I don't do commissions really. Um, I've helped people out with 3D stuff and that um, and friends and things. But Thank you. You're welcome. Um, but I try and encourage them. It's like, look, if I was going to make it for you, this is how I'd go about making it. So maybe try it yourself. It'll cost a little bit for some foam or some warbler or a bit of fabric. Um, but try it yourself. And then that may get them into the whole thing. Do you know what? Actually, I can do this. And I could make what I want when I wanted. And that kind of thing. So I don't. Yes. OK, there, there is elitism, I think, from certain people. I know some. Um, but I try to stay clear of it. I, I, it's a whole cosplay for me is just make what you want if you want it, enjoy it, and don't really give a hoot about what anyone else thinks of it. Kind of thing. <laughs> That's it for me. All right. Um. So I guess to throw in a bit of a random one. Obviously, um, if we haven't noticed, I'm the only guy here. Uh, and. <laughs> One of the things we wanted to talk about here today is something that I've seen. I, I saw it my first time going to Dublin Comic Con, and it was an enormous sign about cosplay is not consent. We've seen these at Dublin Comic Con, New York Comic Con, Denver Comic Con. Uh, I think he's going to show a few slides here at the moment. Uh, and it's warning people not to touch cosplays, players, or harass them. And um, so as you as cosplayers, people who've done cosplay in all sorts of different costumes, some big, some small, some fabric, um, how do you feel like do you feel this is necessary um it, it clearly obviously to agree is they feel it is necessary because these signs have been up since 2014 at least and how have you felt have you ever felt harassed at an irish convention or people just got a bit too close or just a bit too much yeah i think that's the thing i, I suppose for me particularly generally most of my costumes i am fully encased in a, a dragon you know so <laughs> i think there's there's definitely like it is super important i mean consent's obviously super important and i think that's the thing is that like 
people seem to the thing is like obviously a lot of it is there based on like you know traditional f feminine designs and stuff obviously the clothes are slightly more revealing or whatever it's like it's accurate to the design because it's it, people generally aren't trying to like you know make them that way in, on purpose or whatever if you're matching the character's design and that's the way it's been designed that's that's not on you you know you're accurate to the costume and like that's the thing is that people will take that as an invitation um despite like you know seeing all these signs and whatever else and obviously that's the reason why they're there and um, but even in like even in the dragons and stuff i've had it where it's like no obviously not to the same extent you know slightly different but like people kind of coming up and either like grabbing the costume or kind of someone putting their hand around my waist through the costume or like pulling on the tail and stuff like that or just generally like not asking for permission to kind of come up and touch it and stuff and people kind of just take this as a oh you're on display so therefore you know we can do whatever it, it's it's really not lads these are everyone's people like you know the people are we're not just there as like performers we're not getting paid to do this we're not on show for anybody like this is our passion and this is why we want to do it so it's like people should not take that as an automatic oh well i mean you're here for my entertainment that that's not it at all you know so yeah it's they're they're needed they honestly are needed like i i personally haven't had any experiences in ireland like in particular any bad ones on kind of the other front although going to this cyberpunk skate last night which which that was a more kind of feminine costume i was catcalled on the way down to it so you know i mean that's that's not in a con environment but obviously the con environments are there to keep everybody safe so that's that's why those are there I think what what you're saying is very important to think about, which is that this is a environment that doesn't just involve cosplayers. Um, so I, I think of these signs as not really for the cosplayers or for the cosplay community. It is to educate the rest of the attendees of the event, um, and they wouldn't necessarily know the blood, sweat, and tears and hot glue that is holding your costume together. So on a very practical level, it can be something that is needed to ensure that, you know, someone's costume doesn't fall apart. Mm -hmm. On the, the the other side of it, I have worn a black bodysuit when I was doing Mara Jade, and I felt uncomfortable. Um, nobody particularly, like, there wasn't any specific touching that was overly problematic, but there was a lot of people who wanted to give me a hug or wanted a very close fo photo when, when they, they took a photo with me. And, um, you know, it's a costume that I didn't wear as much as I might have because I was uncomfortable in it. And this is a black bodysuit that was, you know, from here all the way to my, to my toes. So there wasn't anything on display, but it was very skin tight. It was very form fitting and, you know, Obviously, there were people who thought that this was something that was interesting to them or whatnot. So I do think it's needed. I think it's part of the general issue, though, in society itself. You know, I mean, like, realistically, these these could be just saying, you know, look out for consent at anything. You know, you can walk down the street and still have the same issue. Um, so I think it's a broader society issue overall that I'm glad that they have made made a point of trying to keep cosplayers safer in con scenes because I think that, you know, that's really one of the only places we have to show off our cosplays. And if we can't be safe there, then where can we be? Really yeah, very much so. I think I, I completely agree with everything said, um, and I've noticed as well. I mean, I I, I make foam armor. I, I 
kind of a cover up for most of things, but there's a lot of people are still I've had I've had hands on me that I don't want to have on me. I've had people stalking me and following me around conventions, taking pictures. I'm like, if you want a picture, ask me for a picture. And trying to grab um like for my Cassandra outfit that I had the spear attached to the um quiver on the back because it was con safe. I mean it's made, it's made of foam anyway, but it was attached to it. But I've had people actually grab that from my costume and try and take pictures and stuff with it. And someone and I didn't even notice because it's on my back. I wear this big giant helmet and everything with it. So I can't necessarily see everything. But apparently someone had taken um my spear and I didn't even realise. And they were gone away with it off of the, on the con floor at Dublin Comic Con. And things like that. Did you get it back? I did I did get it back. I do have it. But I didn't even realise it was gone. It was and this was an older person because this I'm only five too, but this was up on my back. This wasn't a child that actually got that off my back without me realising. Um and he had taken it and given it to his child. I'm just like, why it's like like that's just like it's that, it's weird things like that. But I like personally, I'd never think of actually doing that to someone. Or if you want to take a picture, you know. And I've had others as well. No problem. As I have, like I had the bow and I had whatever. And yes, you can pose and you can use a weapon. You can use whatever. But ask me about it. If not, then it, it's off limits. Um, and then trying to touch the costume. It's the same now with the sister of battle. Um, for my one, she has a jetpack in the back, and it's it's just a bit bigger than me and I'm very wary of that at the convention because I've had my costumes being destroyed on me before from people blatantly walking right into you and things like that I'm like how can you not see me <laughs> you know I'm sticking yeah, out yeah. with a sore thumb it's, it's the same the with, <laughs> yeah it's the same with Emer and the dragon I remember when I made my Astrid and stuff like that as well and people coming up to her and we were trying to get Emer off the con floor so she could actually get out of the costume and I, I'm pretty sure it took us 10 to 20 minutes to get out of the trade hall just, just to try and get the, to get the elevator and um, move it in the circle just follows you it's like <laughs> which is fine don't get me wrong but it's like yeah nah, like. yes and <laughs> um, but that's what we were trying to herd her around and get people away from her and we couldn't um but that's yeah unfortunately it, it's, it's all ages and people just don't seem to get it and like that i think it is it's it's people at the convention not necessarily the cosplayers I mean, and, you know, if you think about it as a, a punter who's just decided to show up, as far as they're concerned, everything that's at the con is for their entertainment. And they these signs at least, hopefully, will give them pause before they do some of this. So, hopefully. I, I think that's a really, really good point. You know, I, I guess my own experience, any costume I tend to do is tend to be quite... Like I'm, I'm quite big, so the costumes tend to be quite big, and they keep getting bigger, which is getting become a problem. But no one has really, obviously, I have, I, I haven't faced that as a man. Um, but I, the only thing I've ever faced is kids just getting a little bit too close, and I think there is that kind of thing there of just kind of like, where is your person, and don't follow me around because I, I had a kid once who followed me around for a, a period of time. Uh, and it was it was just really it was really uncomfortable for me because I was kind of like look I generally have a handler with me because I can't see through most of my cosplays and it was just a bit just difficult there. I'm gonna wrap up there. Thank you so much to my guests. Empty cosplay without a stitch and Obsidian Dragon cosplay. We had an absolutely brilliant time. I've learned a hell of an awful lot, and I'm really really excited to have them on the show again soon. Uh, so that's it from the Irish Makers podcast. A big thank you to our sponsors, Coding Race. To Vicky Toomey Lee, who manages all the production for the podcast, and to all our listeners. We'll be back with our next episode discussing the world of professional prop making. 
Our guests own their own businesses and have worked on shows such as Game of Thrones, Apple's new hit show Foundation, and a host of movies from around the world. You can follow the Irish Maker podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok, and you can listen to the podcast on Anchor, or you can watch the full stream on YouTube like a normal person. All the links should be down in the description. Thank you so much to all our listeners, and remember to keep on making.